Hallelujah. Praise God forever. We are closer to the end time than we've ever been. Amen. And we are closer to leaving this earth than we've ever been. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's turn our Bibles tonight to Acts 21, 1 through 5. We're going to talk about being led of the Spirit. Now, we started our series out of Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 14 down through uh, 17 and 18. And so we, as Christians, are led by the Spirit of God. The world was led by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and uh, their mind. So you and I, though, are to be led by something higher and something greater. And that is by the recreated human spirit as well as its partner, the Holy Ghost. And so we're going to talk about those things. But the first thing that I want to talk about, because most people can fall prey to these. Now, a miracle is hard to duplicate or hard to produce on your own. You can't do it or you'd be God. And then... But when it comes to the verbal gifts, the gifts that are sacred, gifts that are holy, but gifts that are more subject to man than the other six gifts, that is the gift of tongues, that is the interpretation of that tongue, and the gift of prophecy. Now, these three gifts are declared by the user to be inspired by God. And so that is how they are designed. Now, it doesn't mean that every time they are used, they are inspired of God. It means that they're giving in their initial incubation and plan of God is that man at a point would become the mouthpiece of God. Now, the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy in their purest form without man getting involved are just beautiful. But they can very quickly become ugly because of the presence or the manipulation or the immaturity of the one being used. And so they can become very manipulative, and that's why the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 1, First uh, Thessalonians 5, I think it's 18 and 19, despise not prophecy. Why would anybody despise something so beautiful as God speaking through an individual that is born again? Because of the error that it comes with. So, these verbal gifts are very, very, very... Uh, manipulative not that people do it on purpose but because even if someone would do it by accident most people would never ever pay attention to it because they're really not they don't have faith in what they are hearing they don't have faith in the gift being used through men which all of us should make sure that we never ever get to the point that we downgrade or diminish the value of speaking in tongues, interpretation of those tongues, or prophecy. Nobody should do that. And a congregation can and individuals can. 
And if you are, then what you need to do is repent, get out of that, because God has a lot of things to say to us. And when God speaks to us, we ought to respond as if it was really God's voice. If it's in line with Scripture, amen, it should be. And again, if people do it and you don't feel anything, the atmosphere doesn't change, well, people do miss it. And as long as they aren't erroneously quoting Scriptures or declaring what God said in its, its heresy or wrong, then we have to endure the growth of people. And that has to do with the spirit of love. Love covers a multitude of sins. And that's why we still look at Christians in a favorable way because we all have it and God blinded us to it or we have covered it. Amen? All right. So we don't want to get over into there that we never hear or receive the gifts, but we also have to judge the gifts. Amen? All right, so we're going to talk first, before we go into being led of the Spirit, how not to be led of the Spirit. You know, if you can find out how not to do something, you might be closer to doing it. Amen? I see people on the golf course, and I'm notorious for giving golf lessons away. It costs me a lot of money in the summer because I am just, I, I can't take much of seeing people just destroy themselves. And you know, they're swinging with all their might and the ball's going six inches and they're swinging and swinging, not hitting the ball. I mean, I've been known to come two greens over and say, please listen. Hey, my name is Peter Dosick. If you'll go up to that uh, office when you get through, tell and ask for this person, tell them to put two uh, uh, lessons on my bill because you need them. I said, and if you enjoy golf, you will use golf and play golf, and you'll support the sport. But if you continue to be as lousy as you are, you know I mean? People go out there and get drunk and complain about their golf scores. Just skip drinking a couple weeks, get your golf lesson, you'll find out what takes place. Yeah, Lincoln dating this girl, and her, her name is Emily, and I, I said, well, do you play golf? She said, well, I don't like to because I don't hit the ball. I said, how do you not hit the ball? She said, I don't know. I swing, and it's always just sitting there. I said, did anybody ever tell you how to play golf? No. I said, okay. And Lincoln said, Papa, the first lesson's on you, right? I said, yeah. After that, brother, you're supporting her. And... But she doesn't even know how to hit a ball. Who would play golf and not know how to hit the ball? Oh, let me tell you, 90% of the people on the golf course. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Go get a lesson so you'll know. Amen? All right, so I'm going to talk to you before we get into being led of the Spirit, how not to be led in the Spirit. Okay, let's read out of Acts 21, 1 through 5. And it came to pass that after we were gotten from them and had launched, we came with a straight course unto Kaos, and the day following unto Rhodes, and from thence to Patara, and finding a ship sailing over unto Phoenicia, we went aboard and set forth. Now when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre, for the ship was to unlade her burden. 
And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. And when we had accomplished those days, we departed and went our way. And they all brought us on our way with wives, children, till we were out of the city. And we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. And then let's couple that with Acts 20, 21 through 25. Four more verses. Testifying both to the Jews and also the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit into Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witness in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of grace of God. Now, in those two scriptures, it looks like we have a total different viewpoint of the spectrums of what the Holy Ghost said. Now, when Paul goes to Acts, 21st chapter, on the ship, he runs into disciples. These disciples say to Paul, through the Spirit, now, how would they say through the Spirit? Well, they would, number one, they would declare that what they were saying was inspired by God. Now, the question would be, does God oppose himself? Did God change his mind? Did Paul lose his mind? Did Paul ever have his mind? Well, these men told Paul, don't go up to Jerusalem. Now, think the impact. That a man is ready, has convinced himself that his life is going to end maybe in the hands of those that are at Jerusalem. And so what Paul does is he prepares his disciples that they may not see his face anymore. He's getting ready to die. He projects himself, I'm going to die. Tribulations, hardships are waiting for me. He's prepared. And these men tell him, oh no, the Holy Ghost has changed his mind. Now, I don't know how flowery it was. I don't know how flamboyant it was. I, I don't know all of the shenanigans that went behind it. But what I do know is that they missed God. Now, in Acts 20, Paul says this, I go bound to Jerusalem. I go bound in the Spirit not of my own conjuring mind, not of my own reasons, my rations, not my, only, my own plans and my purposes that I've laid out. I go bound by the Spirit because the Holy Ghost has appeared to me. Jesus appears to him and says, Paul, be of good cheer. You are going to bear witness to me in Jerusalem as you have done here. Now, Jesus has appeared to him. The Holy Ghost has sealed his instruction. Yet 12 disciples, supposedly moved by God, tell Paul, you are nuts. But then Paul says this, 
I go bound by the Holy Ghost. So now once the Holy Ghost says not to go, the other is that the Holy Ghost has told him to go. So who would you believe? Now, based on the emotional state of most of the body of Christ, they would take the verbal declaration of what God said about their life through somebody else. Because, listen, when somebody prophesies to you, it's like goosebump city, hallelujah, you're falling down. Oh, the Lord gave you a great word, da, da, da. Maybe, maybe not. How do you get a judge what they just said is the Lord? Well, well, well man, he's a preacher. <laughs> so the devil, the devil preached that he could overcome God. And people believed him. Angels believed him. Churches all around America are on the rise. Satanic churches actually believe that the devil is going to be God. What is that? Manifested stupidity at its greatest height. If he could have done anything, at least he wouldn't have got kicked out of heaven. If he could do anything, he wouldn't be cast out by mere men bearing the authorization to cast him out in one name. So, you know, all you devil worshipers that are watching, wake up. I mean, he can't even defeat me, let alone God. Boy, you guys are going down the wrong trail. He can't beat any believer that knows who he is and has any faith as a grain of salt. Now, so let's go to Acts 21, 8 through 12. 21, 8 through 12. Now, the reason that these disciples have went beyond their boundaries is because they're trying to use prophecy as the office of a prophet. Prophecy is very simple. Don't, don't take it out the, of the definition of what God said it is. It is to edify, comfort, and exhort. It does not have the power by God to proclaim and to foretell. So do not listen to people that try to do that to you. And then in Acts, can now I have Acts 21, 8 through 12? And the next day, we were that we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Abacus. And when he came, was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews of Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when he had heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. 
And then Paul says, why do you try to break my heart? This is what God has prepared for me. Now notice that there were four daughters, Philip's, the evangelist, that prophesied. Now, it didn't say that they prophesied to Paul, but they operated in the gift of prophecy. And they were known for that. And so, Paul says that they prophesied, but doesn't say that they prophesied to him. And if they did, they probably edified comfort and exhorted him. And then it goes on and tells us a story of Agabus. Agabus is a man that prophesies. No, he's not. He is a prophet. He doesn't prophesy. He operates in the operation of the office of the prophet. Entirely different than the simple gift of prophecy. He's different than the four daughters of Philip. And he's different than those disciples that prophesied to Paul. Now, very important what this prophet does. This prophet does not add to anything that Paul does not know. He does not subtract from anything that Paul does not know. In other words, it reveals to you and I that a prophet does not have the ability to direct another believer's life by what he says is God. But he can confirm that which has already been said. But if it hasn't already been said in today's office of the prophet. See, people get those mixed up. We think that we, that prophets today are like prophets of, of the Old Testament. No, the prophets of the Old Testament spoke for God aside from writing. And what they spoke then became written. They were men that were inspired by God that spoke the Word of God, and it was written. And we are built up on the foundation of the doctrines of the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles, talking about those that have written the New Testament books or the epistles. Now, no prophet can add to anything that's been written because that age and that dispensation, that time frame that God spoke through men like that and they inscribed it as the word of God is past. But it doesn't mean that the prophet's office does not stand as a functioning office, needed office. You know, I hear people say all the time, well, we don't have any prophets. No, we don't have any national prophets. And that, that's sad that a nation as great as ours based on the greatness of the faith of the body of Christ, that we have nobody that has an anointing that can declare what's going to happen to planet earth. And when they speak, they're like Samuel. Their words don't fall to the ground. Now, would be to God that God would raise us up a prophet like that. 
And then we have what we call geographical prophets. Prophets that are in certain regions or prophets that are in certain uh, influences. Like we have a prophet of our church, Tim Bagwell. Some people say, well, I don't think he's a prophet. Well, that's fine. Don't think he's a prophet. He probably will never profit you. Yes, absolutely. It has to be, he's got to be received or he has to be rejected. Well, I don't like the way he does this. I don't like the way. How would you like for him to be like Isaiah? Lay down under the stop sign down there for about three years, buck naked, covered in cow dung. Yeah, you, people, sometimes we say we want God. We, we want God if he does what we want him to do. People complain, well, he takes an offering this way. If you don't like it, don't give. Does he put a gun to your head when you come in here? Why do you complain about something you don't have to do? It's like me going to McDonald's. I hate them stinking cheeseburgers up there. I'll tell you, I hate it. I hate it. Well, do you ever order one? Absolutely not. I eat fish. Then just shut up. Why would you get so negative about something that you aren't even participating in? Could we just grow up at least to the ankle bone? Then you watch TBN, or you used to, and they're telling you give $1,000, your house be paid, paid off, and you complain about it, and you just keep watching them. Please. We have to have enough sense about ourselves to contain ourselves and control ourselves and stop being drawn into negativity because everybody isn't scratching our itch. Could I get an amen? You're absolutely right. So, here we see that Agabus does what? He confirms. Now, that is the true gift of the office of a prophet. Now, go to 1 Corinthians 14, 24 through 25. Now, the reason that I went through all this is because these are the basic tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy are the basic ways that people get caught up all the time. And they fall prey to it over and over and over from the same people that keep prophesying and nothing's ever happened. So, let's look at this. Can I have that on screen too? Because I want to read it with them. Uh, okay. 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Did I say 14? No, I said 1 Corinthians 14, 24 through 25. Sorry, guys. Okay. But, but if all prophesy, there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Now, I want to explain a couple of things, and please pay attention. Number one, the gift of a prophet, the office of a prophet, never directs anybody. The office does not entitle anyone to control another person's faith and their commitment to walk in what God has called them to walk into. 
Oh, but I just need God's direction. Then quit being lazy and read the Bible. Pray and fast. But what you don't do is put your hands into a gift that you're trying to manipulate to get an answer for you to take the easy route. Now, these are misuses of gifts, and this is why gifts, like the office of the prophet, diminish in the body of Christ. Misuse. They're given more authority than they deserve, and they're puffed up higher than they should be. And we've done that all over the board. Well, I'm an apostle, I'm this and I'm that. And there's no creditation to anything they're saying by the Holy Ghost. Okay. Yep. And then it says this. Now, notice this. The simple gift of prophecy. Not to be led by it. It should edify, comfort, and exhort. But every true gift of prophecy to an individual has something about it that confirms that it's God. Go to verse 25. Oh, yeah. Oh, did you read it, Phyllis? Okay, and it says, all right, let me read it here. Uh, and thus are the secrets. Somebody say his secrets. If somebody doesn't prophesy, or if they're prophesying, even through the gift of prophecy, they need to confirm something that is on the inside of you that only you know. Did you see what that said? That the secrets of his heart are made manifest. So falling down, he will worship and report that God is in you of a truth. Prophecy that tries to direct you without confirming a gift on the inside of you or a secret on the inside of you is simply manipulation. Now, we need to make sure that we governed how we are being led. Now, the reason that I'm saying this is because in the latter days, the days that are quickly coming up on us, there are going to be wolves, false prophets, false leadings, lying signs and wonders. And if you don't know what's true, you're just going to be misled. People are going to say things like this. Well, who could do a miracle like that except God? Well, the devil. (laughs) Like the devil. You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. So the Bible tells us that in this age of the son of perdition coming up on the scene, that these things are going to get more prevalent. There were false prophets in the Old Testament. There will be false prophets in this uh, world. And so you have to be sure that you do not fall prey. Now, realize this. God will lead you by his spirit. God will give you revelation and information. But if you don't use it, you're the ones going to be on the hook. Amen? All right. So, now let's get into how God leads. Oh, gee, many. Praise God, there's a whole half hour of how God doesn't lead us. And, uh, you know, I've been criticized. I've been, I get emails all the time because I don't want to hear what somebody else is saying to me. But they want to tell me what 
God is saying. So, you know, I'm just real simple. I'd say, look, tell me one thing that he told me to do. Just tell me one thing. I'm not asking a hundred. One thing. When they never respond. They never respond. Well, I think that, that this is going. I say, well, just tell me what you think is going on. Just tell me, tell me, tell me. They can't. So how can you listen to a voice that says it's God, but it has no authentic information that's ever been spoke to you? When Nathaniel came to David, David, I've got to tell you a story. Not you, David. But David, you could have had a hundred sheep out of Israel. But you got to choose another guy's one sheep. He's only got one lamb. You got to choose to steal that one. David said, I'll tell you what, a guy, I'll kill that guy. Who is he? It's you. You think God doesn't know the wrongs that we have done? Listen, he told David what he'd done so he could get him to go where he wanted him to go. So, you know, when, when you go up to somebody and say, Oh, thus saith the Lord, thou hast uncleanness in your life. Oh, but I will cleanse you and I will purge you, saith God, and I will make you a vessel of honor in the end. I'd look at them and say, What is the problem? Tell me and quit shenaniganing me around. Shut up and tell me, what do you think I'm doing? Well, the Lord hath hid it from me. Well, until he shows it to you, don't talk to me. You're, someday you're going to have to be bold enough to say, God, either you're going to talk or I'm not going to hear. Talk loud enough that I can get it. You know I'm thick-headed. Don't you have enough courage in God to listen to you and to be fair to you? Absolutely. What if I came to David's house? David, you know, Sharon called me and she told me to go ahead and just tell you, go out and buy that new Harley. Would you go do it? Why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the thing of it is, Christians do know, but they are so emotionally crippled that they got to have something that looks like God, even though they haven't experienced a real God. And I think it's just wrong. And so, all anybody has to do is just tell me what God told me to do, and then I'll accept that you've got something to say. But if you're just going to go around the circle like, and just stir up a big dust cloud and not really have any engines in it, then I'm not responding. I'm just not going to. Well, well you ought to. I know it was the Lord. Well, I know it wasn't. Now, if you've got a secret that's in my heart, tell me. But don't come trying to manipulate me. Because it's not going to work. And that's what people hate about me. It's one of the things that people despise about me. 
Well, you just think you're, well, what do you think? What do you think about yourself? That God will talk to everybody about you except to you about yourself. You think God is a backdoor God to you. Is that what he is? Well, then why do we expect and depend on somebody to make us feel good when the feel-good dosage may not even be God? People say, I'm believing God's going to have him call me out tonight. I wouldn't use my faith for that. I believe that God was going to speak to me in dreams and visions. Not talk to somebody that's preaching and shoot the dice and maybe he's going to get, maybe he isn't. Now, if God's got a legitimate word for me, I want it. But if he doesn't, I don't. I remember one time I was in Oral Roberts' meeting, uh, Benny Hinn's meeting, really. Somebody invited me to go, and I said, I ain't going. I'm going back to the hotel and lay down, put on a T-shirt and go to bed. Oh, no, man, you ought to come, you ought to come. Oral's going to be there. I said, yeah, I don't want to. No, absent, no. No, I'm tired, and I don't really care to hear Benny Hinn at all. I just, I don't want to hear him. I don't want to watch the television taping. Good night, I'm on television all the time. I don't want it. I'm done. I'm going home. So I started home, and all of a sudden, the Lord said, you ought to go. I said, God, don't gang up on me. And I, so I went. So I go in there, and uh, Benny Hinn comes out and said, now we're going to be doing taping tonight, and we are going to be, uh, I have a prophet that's going to come out and minister to some of you. He said that. I got up out of my seat and headed clear back to the back of the building. And I got back to the back of the building on these metal chairs they've had out called the place is jam-packed. And I got down behind the metal chairs like this. And so the TV taping goes on, da, 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 everything's great. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, Benny Hinn said, hey, I, I want to bring out a prophet. And, you know, he told me some things about people on my staff, the names of people and what, what was happening and all that kind of stuff. And he said, we found out, we, we cleaned it out and got the thing uh, set up right again. And he said, but I want him to minister to you. So he comes out there and ministers to a couple of people. And all of a sudden, I'm caught up in this vision. And I see this great big flame over the top of my head. And I said, oh, God. He said, do you think you can hide from me? I said, well, yeah, I'm trying. I said, the last thing I need is another so-called prophet babbling a whole bunch of nothing. So all of a sudden, about that time, Lloyd Bustard, many of you have seen him minister and heard him. Um, he said, I want to pray for that guy way back there. People started standing up. He said, no, 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 none of you. The guy that's kneeling down behind the chairs, that's the one I want. So everybody turned around and looked at me, and I said, oh, man. So I got up and went down. And so I have it on my iPad. That, you know, he says, uh, he begins to talk to me and says, silver and gold have I none, such as I have give I unto thee. And... Uh, so he quotes all of the scriptures about Peter in the first part of the book of Acts. And he says, uh, at the end of that, he says, now what's your name? I said, Peter. 
And he said, God is going to visit someplace in the northwest. And he's going to bring a revival up out of that part. And he's going to use you. And so that was the great time that God did that to me. But that was a prophet unveiling. And he said, and you've been praying that your ears would be open. I said, yes, sir, I have. I want to hear God. And he said, well, then you get to hear me. Now, that is the same guy that, uh, did he call you out? What did he say to you? Oh, so he asked you who liked beef jerky. Okay. He said, who likes beef jerky? And Bud Lively, well, he was standing next to me. Actually, I was throwing the towels. And Bud said, oh, I like it. And then he looked dead at me and said, well, who, who really likes it? I said, it would be me. <laughs> and you and your husband, Steve, Mm -hmm. uh, we're making beef jerky in your house and in your... We had just started the business Oh, you had just time. started the business. And, and he declared that we would sell it nationally and, um, or worldwide, actually. Uh -huh. And then... Well, it's been around Philippines, Kenya, and... <laughs> well, um, actually, we got a picture about a month after that, maybe six weeks after that, of people that would send it across seas to their kids that was in the Air Force, in the Army. So, I mean, we just, we really sold the jerky. Praise God. Uh, is Lori Sale here? Lori? He called Lori out and said, you know, I see a big sign of you not for sale. Yeah. He said, what does that mean? And then he uh, ministered to a lot of, of people. And uh, I think he called Randy out and he said, uh, I see a forest around you. What does that mean? He said, who lives on uh, Forest Avenue? He said, my mom and dad. And then he started prophesying to him about waters. And uh, I had uh, John Lawrence was our youth pastor at that time, a children's pastor. And he looked at John and said, you know what? I see a river in Canada, St. Lawrence River. What does St. Lawrence mean to you? He said, my name is John Lawrence. And then, I mean, he just ministered to people like that all the time, addresses and names. And uh, then he uh, called me up one uh, a meeting, and he said, I said, I don't know this man. He said, but the anointing for souls of T.L. Osborne is going to come on you. And I was standing there, and he said, oh, you think I'm kidding? You think that I miss God? You think that I'm kidding you. He said, in the next three confirmations, you will believe what I said to you. And he said, there is a city north of us called Wapakoneta or Wapakoneta. And somebody said, Wapakoneta. He said, yes. And there is a couple here by the name of Hicks. They came up forward. And he's, then he said this. And you live on Daisy Avenue. They said, yes, sir, we do. And he looked at me and said, who is Daisy? And I said, T.L. Osborne's wife. And he said, 
Don't you ever think that God doesn't know you and know what he's doing in your life? Yeah, really. And now, he doesn't operate in that anymore because he just said, Peter, he said, it was just so tough on me. And uh, he said, man, it's hard. And uh, so he now pastors in North Carolina or South Carolina, wherever PTL is, down in there. And uh, he now pastors a church there, and I've preached for him. And, and Lloyd is a great guy and a great psalmist. And uh, God's blessing his church and blessing his home, and he calls me. But that was probably the purest gift of prophecy that I'd ever heard. That legitimately came to pass when he spoke it or was so connected to evidence that you could never neglect the future fulfillment of what he said. But little did he know that I operate off of what I call my T.L. Osborne pattern. I used to have the uh, crusades where we'd have 500,000, a million. A million, too, was the biggest that we ever got. And uh, six miles of sound system, it still sounds great. And uh, then the next biggest thing was we was in 200 countries where Daystar, Wordstar, uh, TBN, and God Channel, and Spirit, uh, they all covered, carried us free. We literally went all around the world from Nairobi. And uh, that's where our phone lines lasted about five minutes before the whole system collapsed because we were getting calls from all over the world. And uh, literally six, seven, eight, nine months later, they were still calling people on the telephones to follow up with their salvations. And, uh, but after that meeting... I sat down and talked to Dr. Osborne in my home. And we were sitting there at the table, and I said, Dr. Osborne, I said, look, Brother Osborne, I just cannot. I can't preach enough to raise the money I need. And uh, he said, yeah. He said, it takes a lot of money. I, I said, you're absolutely right. I just can't do it. So I'm thinking that I'm going to go all the little cities around where Reinhard Bonnke goes and I'm going to win maybe 50, 60, 70,000 at a time. It'll take me longer, but I can still win four, five, six million people to Jesus before I die. He said, Peter, that's a good way to do it. And so I call that my T.L. Osborne pattern that I talked to him about at my table. But nobody knew that. And certainly Lloyd Buster didn't know that. I had never met the man. But he knew that Brother Osborne was going to be going home with Jesus. Now, Brother Osborne has many protégés. And certainly, I was not at the top of the list. And, uh, but he honored me, never forgot my name, always talked to me, would embrace me around great men, walk right through them, and grab me and hug me. And say, Peter, it's so good to see you. And uh, so he, he very much honored me uh, in my life. And uh, he always called me friend. And I'm the only guy living that has a cover letter that says I can use anything he's ever said, spoke, written, or preached. And I can redo any book that he has. 
and I have a cover letter for that. Not many people have that. I got the only one. But he was very kind to me, and he, he loved me, and I, I appreciated him very much for being good to me and kind to me. But that prophet, that evidence of that, is the truest form of a prophetic gift. Don't try to get something out of somebody that said nothing. Come on, it's, it's, you know, you're better than that. Amen? So next week, we'll get on to, uh, hey, how to be led of the Spirit. We found out how not to be. Hallelujah. So, I hope you got something. And uh, so, let's just believe God. Find out what God wants to say to you. And then, have it verified. And then, apply yourself and fulfill it. Amen? Nobody else is subject to it but you. You have to fill it. If God said go, I would encourage you, get G.O. together. And go, go do something. Amen? All right, stand to your feet and let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you, God, for your simplicity, your openness, God. You're, you're just making it so simple that we can understand it. God, that you are protecting us. You care for us. You love us. You tell us how you talk. And God, we want to thank you that you're on our side and that, God, you're with us. We thank you for the gifts. We thank you for the offices. God, they are for our betterment. They're for our safety. And God, we thank you for it. In 